Today, our family theme is Job, and hopefully by the time we're finished, we will um, be able to put some life lessons applied to our life that we learn uh, from Job. We'll be in uh, a lot of verses from the book of Job, uh, and today we're doing a character study, and so instead of having uh, key points, we're going to have an introduction to Job, we'll look at some key events in his life. And then some life lessons life less we can apply from Job, and then way we might uh, respond. Uh, for our connect this morning, I believe we have a short video clip. Is that right, Jason? Is it too cold to play? Yes, ma'am, what you need? Jessica. Jessica, go ahead. Hey, just a quick follow-up question on that. Um, how would you argue in that case then bad things happening to good people? Because I just feel like you would say it better than I could think why it. Why did bad things happen to good people? Yeah, because that explains why. why bad things happen to people that deserve it. Right. But then what would the argument be for why do bad things happen to people who don't deserve it? Okay, well, I know it's going to sound harsh. Sorry. But hold a minute. According to the Christian viewpoint, um, did you hear the question she asked? There are some people that may be okay, better than others from an external okay. perspective, but all of us are fallen. And God doesn't owe us anything. God doesn't owe me. God doesn't know, uh, owe you. God didn't owe Billy Graham, who tragically died today. Well, not tragically. He was 99 years old. What a life, right? <laughs> God didn't owe anybody and doesn't owe anybody anything. But let me just point out something called the ripple effect because this has really helped me deal with the problem of evil. The ripple effect, also known as the butterfly effect, says that one event today can ripple forward to affect trillions of other events in the future, even though we can't see how that happens. For example, a butterfly flapping its wings in South Africa can cause a ripple of events to ultimately cause a hurricane to hit New Orleans. Can we, can we trace all those ripples? No. But an omniscient being could. And so the ripple effect helps me understand that when I see a bad thing happening, like somebody dies young or a baby dies, um, I know that I can trust God that good will come from it, if not now in eternity. Why? Maybe a baby dying today ripples forward into the future to partially cause a great evangelist 500 years from now, due to the ripple effect, to rise up and save millions of people. I can't trace that ripple, but God who's outside of time can. This is why he basically says to Job, trust me. Things are going wrong, but just trust me, it's ultimately going to work out. In fact, there was a uh, pastor who pastored the church in Notre Dame in Paris 150 years ago. He said one of the most profound things on this issue about why, why doesn't God stop evil and why, couldn't, why doesn't God stop it more? He said this. 
He said, if God were to give me his power for 24 hours, you would see how many changes I would make in this world. But if God gave me his wisdom too, I would leave things as they are. What do you think? What do you think? Isn't that a question a lot of people are asking? Why do bad things happen to good people? Quite a few years ago now, my mother was talking about a friend of hers that I know, my Pam and I know very well, we've known her for years, and she has been caught up into the Catholic ways of life that doing good gets you to heaven. And uh, at that time, and I'm sure she still is, she went to church every day. Because in her mind, the more you went, the more notches you got on your way to heaven. And uh, my mother said something, well, she's a good woman. I said, no, Mom, she's not. I said, I'm not good. Because the Bible says there's none good but one. And that's Jesus Christ. And that is so true. Uh, Pam and I were talking about this lesson last night and uh, here in Job. And I must confess, I love the book of Job. I, every year when I read my Bible through, I can't wait to get to the book of Job. And I hate it when I leave the book of Job, but I'm, my purpose is to read. But every year I read it, I still stand in amazement. There's so many questions I would have. But I like what the fellow said as he quoted that preacher from many years ago. If we had the power of God, we might do this or that. But he gave us his power and wisdom. We'd leave things just like they are. And I don't think I need to tell you life is tough to figure out. Uh, Tricia, I thought about you this week and your family. And Tricia, you know there's questions there that we can't answer. We wish it weren't so, but it is. And uh, even though there are really literally no good people, there are some better than others. Uh, some who try to live better lifestyles, and that, but we're all lost without the grace of God. So it's hard to figure out why things like this happen. I, you know, I miss my dad quite a bit, and that's one of the problems he has. He sees God as some kind of bully who has something to prove. And because if God was really a good God, he wouldn't let things like this happen. Uh, so it goes on and on and on. And the fact of the matter, even you and I as Christians, don't we struggle with that sometimes? Sure we do. And it's true in our lives. But we have to rest in the uh, providence of God and understand that God does know what's going on. And no matter what happens, does God ever stop being good? No. Any question or comment on that? Any thought on it before we get into our lesson? Well, today... We're looking at the life of Job, the story of Job, and again, we'll take verses from all throughout the book, and uh, theologians would place Job, his, his time of his living, uh, during right before the days of Abraham. So the book of Job is really the, uh, as far as the events of Job, are some of the oldest in the Bible. Now, I know it's not before creation, I understand that. 
But the life that Job lived would have been during the patriarchs, probably uh, right before or during the uh, life of Abraham. And so, uh, again, kind of overlapping there. Uh, The book of Job begins with a narrative, the first couple chapters. And then we have quite a few chapters of uh, classic Hebrew poetry. And then it ends with a narrative as well. And it's interesting. We know that in the very beginning of the book of Job, uh, there are two appearances of Satan. And basically, what does Satan do in the beginning? He accuses who? Yeah. 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 If you didn't treat him right, if you didn't do all the good things, he quit serving you. In fact, he cursed you. Well, it's interesting. And Job has... Three friends, is that what you call them, guys? And between the second chapter and the last part of the book of Job is we see their, their, uh, how should I, their conversation with Job. And they go back and forth. And then toward the end of the book of Job, a young, younger man, Elihu, shows up. And he gives four discourses, one right after another. Now, although Elihu wasn't completely right, he wasn't uh, as bad as the other guys were, and God did commend him uh, for that. So God speaks to Job during this time, and at the end of the day, at the end of the book of Job, I can't get over this, it left Job speechless. There came a time when Job said, I've got nothing else to say. And I got to tell you, folks, we've got to come to that time in our lives, too. We really have to do that. So the truth of the matter is, is when we look into the book of Job, we find ourselves asking, why in the world would God allow something like this to happen to a man like Job? And it's an age-old question. And we know that sometimes we face adversity because of God's discipline. If you study the book of Job, that's not the issue here. Job was upright before God. We know that because we read it. How many times did Job read the book of Job? It's never. He doesn't know about the meeting between God and Satan. He didn't read that part. And so we were aware of that. But Job wasn't. In fact, if you you read the entire book, you're going to find out God never told him. God never, at least not recorded, God never once told Job what was going on. And so anytime we struggle with that idea of the bad things we face in life, we need God's help. We need the Spirit's, the Holy Spirit's guidance to help us have thoughts that trust God. That even in 
bad times, we trust God's goodness. We trust his power. And folks, we can't forget in this world we live in, evil is present. And we live in a wicked world. Well, let's go ahead. Any, you know, let's go ahead. We're going to read some verses today. Now, again, uh, if you've got your quarterly, uh, been brought to my attention that some of the verses are not listed there. And uh, our teacher's guide lists a whole bunch of verses. There's no way we can read all of them and get through our lessons. So uh, usually I go through this early in the week, so I know about where we're going to be going. And so I'll give the verses out. Let's begin uh, in chapter 1 this morning, and I, for everyone to turn there. And uh, let's read the first five verses. All right, thank you, Dan. So we get an introduction here to Job, and uh, certainly uh, uh, God had blessed his life. Would you agree with that? And so what, what does the Bible say there in the first five verses about Job? Why do you say that? Uh, we would call that a portfolio, right? Uh, certainly different assets we would have, but still very valuable. What about his children? Yeah. And that was a blessing in that day and time. You know, cause, uh, you know, the Bible said in the Psalms, blessed is a man or happy is a man who has a quiver full, speaking of children. And certainly Job was there. All the animals that he had, but it's also interesting, Job was also a righteous man, not just wealthy, but righteous, and I I think we can conclude for sure, I think Job knew where the blessings came from, don't you? But it's also important to note, he was concerned about his family spiritually, how do we know that? He prayed for them. Now, probably birthday party, some kind of celebration. And Job thought, you know what? They're of age now. They're 20 years old, at least. And that's what Exodus says. When you get 20 years old, you've got to offer a sacrifice for them. And uh, they're old to offer a sacrifice to God. And so each time they had the feast, Job prayed for them in case they had done what? In case they had sinned. Yes, he did. Yes, yes, 
Cheryl, did I just say yes? <laughs> no, that is a good question, but yes, it does, it did, because it was important um, in that day and time. The patriarch of the family also served as priest for the family, so he was able to offer that sacrifice for them. Now, and I agree with what you're saying because I don't quite understand how that works, but that's God's economy for that period of time. So you know, again, I, and I know what you're. T- now, that'd be like me saying, well, are you, like you said, repenting for my sin? You can't do that. I've got to do it myself. But for whatever reason, because he was the, the priest. Now, here's what's interesting. What he's doing, he's interceding for, these, for his family. And again, because of the, the Old Testament economy there, under, the, under that, the, the patriarch was the high priest of the family. When he gets to the end of the book, he intercedes for his three friends. Think about that, okay? Uh, even though they didn't ask for it. And sure, I'm looking here, and I don't see whether children asked for it either necessarily. But again, God accepted that intervention. So I don't completely understand that, but I think that... Now, I hope I don't confuse you, but to me that's the best way to explain that. Because Joel was indeed the high priest of the family. So it must be a sin for a Christian to have money. Is that what it says? No, not at all. But does it mean that God is going to bless every Christian, every child of God that way? No. Now, if you listen to some TV preachers, they'll tell you that. That's not true. In fact, who determines who gets what blessings? God does. It's in his hands. So we know that Things were going well for Job. But would you agree something is about to happen he would have never expected? His circumstances are about to change. Is that going to change how Job sees God? All right, let's go to our second point. Not only was Job blessed, he experienced a time of terrible testing. Okay. So here's where we're going to break it up a little little bit more. Let's go to Job chapter 1 again. Let's read verses 8 through 11. Well, let's go down to verse 13 and read down to through verse 22. Away. Amen. 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 
Okay, let's go to Job chapter 2, verses 3 through 10. Thank you, Dan. Well, most of us here are familiar with the story, but certainly a unusual situation in the first, in verses 6 through 12. There's a meeting in heaven. Who shows up? Satan does. And God says, Satan, where have you been? Going? Where have you been? He said, well, I've been going to and fro. And basically, uh, you think Satan was going about trying to find somebody he could help? No, not at all. And God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And my thought is, Lord, don't ever do that to me. Isn't that how we would think? Sure. And God says to Satan, there's nobody like him. He loves me. He's a man of honor. He's a man that lives a life to honor me. And, of course, Satan says what? Yeah, that's the only reason. I mean, come on, look at his portfolio. Now, it's kind of interesting. And, of course, he appears again in chapter 2. Because chapter 1 didn't work for, too good for Satan. And what, is, what does Job lose in chapter 1? and his family, and his property, everything he has. And I was, again, following along as you read, Dan, but what really jumped out at me, jumped out and caught my attention, while he was yet speaking. So how quick did, how quick did these things happen? One right after another. Boom, boom, boom. And in a matter of of a day, Job lost everything. But verse 20 always grabs my heart. Instead of cursing God, what did Job do? He fell down and he worshipped him. 
And I don't know how I can pull this off, but I pray that God would remind me that no matter what happens in my life, the final word must be worship. God deserves our worship. So in chapter 2, another meeting takes place, and we're not told how big of a gap is between chapter 1 and 2, but evidently there's some time frame. Same thing, and Satan says, well, the only reason he serves you, I mean, a man will give everything he has, but you touch his skin. You bring sickness on his body, and he will curse you to your face. Can you imagine that? Anybody here ever had a boil? Well, I have. Been years ago. And as far as I remember, I only had one at a time. And it was one more than I wanted. But according to our text, what happened to Job? In fact, it was so bad, what did he do? He took pieces of pottery. And he scraped himself. Oh, can you imagine? (laughs) And then he sat down among the ashes. And Joe's wife is watching all this. Now, and, and again, please, let's don't be too hard on her. Not only did Job lose everything he had, guess what she did? She did too. She lost her children. Not only was Job hurting, guess what? She was too. So she says to Job, why don't you just give it up, man? Just curse God and die. Now, I know we, we kind of criticize her for that, but I don't know about you. I can understand that. I'm not saying it's right. I, just, I can understand that. But what did Job say to her? Yeah, you're speaking like a foolish woman. And what a perspective he had. He said, you're telling me then it's okay to accept good from God, but not bad things? Look at the last part of that verse 10, Brother Dan. Look what it said. Read it again. The last part of verse 10, the last sentence. In all this, What? In all this, did not Job sin with his lips? Satan said, he'll curse you, Lord. He'll curse the God who gave him all that. But what did the Bible say? He did not do it. Job refused to curse God. Now, by the way, and this is hypothetical because it's not going to happen, if anybody had a right to curse God, who did? Job would have. So she had all she could bear. She told Job to give up. But anyway, Job passed the test of another attack by Satan. 
But we have to remember his suffering wasn't over. Because the first two chapters set the stage for the main part of the book. Job had three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And we don't know how long it was before they heard of Job's suffering. We know that they met together at a certain point, according to our text. And they made plans to go see Job. So we don't know how long it was when they heard. We don't know how long it was before they met. And we don't know how far they were from Job to travel to get there. But when they got there, what what was their reaction? Do you right now? Well, that was their, but what was their first? They were astonished of the horrible condition he was in. And the other thought, you're right, Pam, that was their thought. But for seven days, they didn't say, they didn't say a word. They simply sat there with him. And they wept with their friend for seven days. So from chapter 3 to chapter 31, we see speeches between Job and his three friends. And like you said, Pam, for the most part, they accused him. I mean, they were sure he had sinned. I mean, come on, there's no way that bad things will happen to you if you don't sin. So Job straightened But with every accusation, Job responded that he did not sin. He was innocent before God. In Job 19, he made a tremendous statement. Job said, I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I gotta tell you, that's amazing to me. Because what's the context of this? What's going on in Job's life when he says that? And I don't know about you, but in the darkest times of my life, I wondered if my Redeemer really lived. But Job says, I know he lives, but he also says, I know in the resurrection I'll see him. I will see. But his question remains, Lord, why are you letting me suffer? And how long will it be before you intervene? So three rounds between of Job's friends and his responses. Elihu enters the scene. He rebukes the other three men. And they also rebuke Job. He declared in chapter 34, there's no way that God was unjust. He wouldn't be that way. He was correct. And he even, he even challenged Job. And some of the things that Job had said. 
And so after Elihu finishes his four speeches, his words come to an end. So he was blessed by God. He experienced time of testing and trouble. But he also experienced a time of humble learning. Let's go to chapter 38. Let's read the first three verses. Let's go to Job 40, verses 3 through 5. Go to chapter 42 now, the first six verses. No, we're good. I'm just trying to figure where to jump in here. Thank you, Dan. From chapter 3 to chapter 37, Job was waiting on God to intervene. And all of a sudden, God speaks out of the whirlwind. His voice is thundering. And he asked Job a question. Who are you? Who do you think you are to darken my counsel? Job, you think you know so much, but guess what? You know nothing. So God says, okay, Job, roll up your sleeves, pull up your pant legs, let's go. I got some questions I want to ask you. Whoa, can God ask questions or not? So what we have is a litany of rhetorical questions. Job, where were you when? Where will you win when I laid the foundation for the world, Job? Job, do you know where I store the snow and the hail? Job, do you know how I control how far the oceans and the seas go? Answer me if you can, Job. 
Tell me a little bit about it. Do you know how wild animals give birth, Joe? What about the lepathon, the behemoth? Job, can you tame them? Can you control them? What makes you think you can control the world, Job? Job, you can't control them, but who can? God said, I can. <laughs> so after all those questions that God asked, Joseph, I'm vile. I don't have any way to answer you. In fact, Job said, I'll do what? I'll put my hand over my mouth. Job's not just saying, I've said enough. He said, I've said too much. Then Job says, Lord, I know that you can do anything. There's not a thought I can hide from you. And then he repeats in verse 3 of chapter 42 the question God asked him. He said, God, I have confessed. I've got to confess. I spoke about things I know nothing of. And I have to tell you, folks, how, how often in my own life I thought, Lord, I'm trying to t- teach about something I don't know anything about. God's ways are so much higher. So Job said, you know what, Lord? I hate myself. When I see who I really am, I abhor myself. What did Job do? He repented in dust and ashes. Well, how much time have I got left, Jason? Oh, okay. Let's go to chapter 42 now. Verses 12 and 13. Go down to verse 16 and 17. So we find out that at the end, God blessed Job with twice as much as he had. Now for us to assume that it took away all of his pain, there's no way. There is no way. We are never told that God tells Job what went on here, why he went through what he did. But I look at this and we know that Job repented in dust and ashes. And I look at this and I had to you know, realize in all of this, Job didn't blame God. He didn't. Not at the end of the day. A lot of people ask, well, how long did Job suffer? The Bible doesn't really say. 
We know there was a week went by before they said anything. And again, we don't know how long between chapter 1 and chapter 2. We don't know how long it took for his friends to get there. But through it all, Job trusted God in the end of the day. So what did we learn? Number one, in this sinful world, bad things happen to all people. Isn't that true? But please understand, and we learn from Job, that God will give us strength and wisdom. We're going to need to endure it. Second life lesson. Not everything bad that happens is because we're being punished by God. I know a lot of people believe that that's not true. God will use suffering and difficulty to strengthen our faith. And trust me, when Job was finished, he grew spiritually, had a deeper awareness of God. Tough way to get it, but he did. The third life lesson God doesn't always reveal why we are suffering. But understand this, folks. We can trust his character and his purposes. Amen. Whenever we don't understand the hand of God, know we can trust the heart of God. We can always trust the heart of God. The fourth lesson we can learn We can worship and trust and bless the Lord even while we're enduring difficult times. Number five, those who endure will be rewarded by God. Thank you, Lord. By the way, Job had one daughter whose name meant horn of the eye. And I did some research. This, little, this was a free. And what that was, it was a horn they kept makeup in to make their eyes look pretty. So it's been around a long time, okay? But let me say this. Most, well, let me back up. Jewish tradition believe that Job was about 70 years old when this tragedy hit. And because everything else doubled, that's why they come up with that, his children, his possessions, they believe that God doubled his lifespan 140 years. So Job lived over 200 years. And he lived longer to see his grand, great-grandchildren live. So do I understand? Is there an easy... Do we, does this wrap it all up nice and tidy? No, it does not. But I do know this. No matter what comes our way, our God is in control. Next week, Sanctity of Life, Psalm 139, Luke 1, Genesis 1, and Genesis 9. Let's stand together. Father, we love you today. And Lord, you are so much higher than our ways. And your thoughts are not our thoughts. And, Lord, we are so finite, and you are infinite, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling right now, for those who are going through tough times.
I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God would come alongside and draw them near to your heart, give them the peace of God that passes understanding, and help us all to trust you no matter what our circumstances are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.